I, I think that a coach-led team is always kind of going to fall down. You know, the, the teams that are really successful are those player-led teams. So where they're able to see each other's scores, I think there's the accountability piece of those things too. So it's the competitive piece, but also the accountability of, you know, what, you know, you only got four hours of sleep last night like that. So we play in two days. What's going on? Welcome to the Super Sports Mom Podcast, a place for all moms of mini and mighty athletes to get support and insights into the world of sports. This is your place to learn, grow, and laugh. I am a sports dietitian, former elite athlete, and newbie sports mom, inviting you to adventure together. This podcast is sponsored by Eat This for Performance, the home of champions. Hi, friend. Welcome to SSM podcast number 27. I am your host, Pearl Narenberg, and today we are speaking with Len Harvey. I'm going to introduce him in one second, but I have a question for you first. What do you think makes a great leader? And in this episode, we are going to tackle leadership. And I think it's pretty cool coming from Len because as you're going to hear, he has some great experience leading. Len just finished his fourth season as the head coach of the Acadia Axe Women Basketball Program, and he's helped guide the team to the AUS playoffs all four seasons of his tenure. A U Sports National number one ranking and back-to-back AUS championships. Pretty cool. Harvey was named the Carolyn Savoy Memorial Award winner for 2018 as the AUS Coach of the Year. So he has some leadership skills, I dare say. Harvey graduated from Acadia University in 2003 with a Bachelor of Arts and completed his Bachelor of Education from CBU in 2004. And he went on to become a secondary school teacher for eight years prior to becoming a full-time university head coach. And in this interview, he's going to take us through his trajectory to get from teacher and prior to teacher all the way to head coach at a university. So I think it's an interesting path to hear about if that's what you would like to do in your future. He's a native of Bedeck, Nova Scotia. Harvey is more than familiar with Nova Scotia basketball and Atlantic University sport and has an array of coaching experience at the provincial and university level, as you're about to find out. And in this interview, in addition to talking about leadership in a big way, we talked about what it means to be building a great community and creating that connectedness through being that great leader and through sport. And we also tackled another interesting topic that is a little more cutting edge and techie, but I think it's pretty cool to hear about. And we are talking tracking devices in sport. In particular, we will let you know about one tracking device that they're using with the basketball players. So this is a very great segue to tell you about what we are kicking off May 26th. We will be diving into this topic further of tracking devices when we talk to you about your performance body. When we track things, we are tracking them for a purpose. And the purpose should be to get that great performing body that we want and achieve a top of the game result. So this is something we talk about in today's interview. What are the intentions you go into with a tracking device? And you will get to tackle that yourself with us if you join our challenge 
and take on mapping out your performance body. So this challenge will be opening up for the first time the 26th of May, but we'll leave it open for you. And so if you're listening to this past the 26th of May, you'll still get to go. So go to et4p.com slash challenge and you can sign up and get to tackling your performance body in a really fun way. All right, let's roll our interview and hear what Len Harvey has to tell us about leadership, community, and of course, tracking devices. Welcome, Len, to the SSM podcast. It's really great to have you on the show today. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm really interested to start in with how you came to be a top basketball coach in, uh, and do what you do, because I know you've had you know, some good success early on, which we are, I'm really excited to dig into like, what that means. Um, but uh, tell me, take me back to what got you into coaching and, you know, did you grow up playing sports? Like what, what motivated you to take on this career? Yeah, I think, well, I'm from a small town in Cape Breton. So it's, uh, we kind of played everything. Um, and I'm, my, both my parents were educators. So my dad was, uh, I still say my dad was the best coach that I've ever known. Uh, he, he passed away, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was, you know, a kind of a small town legend. Um, you know, really what, what sports, uh, basketball and uh, wrestling. And, uh, yeah, he was, he did a little bit of, did a little bit of everything. It was the same, uh, sort of the same mindset, actually, you know, the, the era of the teacher coach, um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, I kind of grew up with that mindset too. Even I was a teacher for 10 years before uh, becoming a professional coach and, that was kind of my mindset, even getting into uh, teaching was, you know, having the opportunity to coach uh, after school and coach everything. And, and uh, yeah, I think that was kind of what helped shape me for sure, um, was just growing up in a small town and, and needing volunteers and just being around some great people in my, in my town that helped make all these sports available to us as kids. Um, yeah, I was, I was really fortunate for sure. So did you know you wanted to be you kind of like like your dad? That's really a, a very yeah. nice flattering thing to do is become kind of yeah. what your parents are, right? Yeah, I think like I always kind of had had aspirations of becoming a teacher and and obviously uh, and and did that for a number of years and, and coached a lot of different sports. Half of them I didn't know anything about, but uh, what I did learn is that you know probably eighty percent of coaching um, bridges the technical tactical. It's not. Uh, it's not dependent on which, you know, which sport you're coaching. It's, it's kind of crosses borders between all sports. You know, what are the things, what are the qualities that you, that you uh, molded yourself after, like to become that coach, to become that teacher? Well, I think the biggest one from both of my parents actually was uh, just the, the spirit of volunteerism, I think is big, you know, particularly coming from a small town. That was huge for me was, you know, the idea of giving back to your community, leaving, you know, leaving the place better than you found it was, uh, was something that my parents really impressed upon me, um, you know, do, do the job right the first time. But, uh, yeah, I think there's, there, there's lots of things just getting to watch a lot of teachers, to be honest, in, in my community growing up. Um, and, and beyond that, I shouldn't even say just teachers, just, uh, you know, people generally in our community really helping out. And, you know, I was a, big sports fan obviously but uh you know I guess seeing 
you know, seeing the opportunities that kids had to stay out of trouble and to, you know, to be active and to, you know, to be involved and be part of something um, because of volunteer efforts and, and these, you know, these adults in our community helping to make the, make all these things run and run at a high level. I, I always appreciated that. Um, you know, it's a little bit different for me now, obviously, but uh, that was the, that was where I cut my teeth even, you know, myself starting. So I have a real appreciation for that, you know, that level of coaching and, and uh, you know, what, what it takes there and, and how important it is for sure. So is there an example of something that you volunteered for? Well, I think even when I was teaching, like, uh, you know, it's, I, I, coach, I coach soccer, volleyball, basketball, uh, you know, I just, I tried to do it all. It was a bit of a way to get your foot in the door at that point in time. Teaching was, uh, you know, I think it's gone a little bit more sterile now. I think to be honest, I, I, I like the idea of, you know, some people, uh, some teachers getting, you know, getting hired or becoming part of a school that they're willing to, uh, they're willing to put more time and effort into, uh, you know, the teachers I remembered were not necessarily always the best teachers of, you know, the, the, you know, in the classroom, but it was the teachers who chaperoned every dance, or you know, supervised your student council, or coached your team. And um, I've always found that those were, in my life, anywhere the most impactful people. So I wanted to be that when I was teaching. But uh, yeah, it's even even now you find ways to help volunteer. And you know, my kids are starting to grow uh, now, so you're you're starting to see how those things all come back around now. It's a uh, you know, we we give I give back a lot to trying to do things uh, just in my community before and now I'm starting to see how you know how it works to uh to help make these programs run for your own kids too so yeah I I hear that I mean I've I've done pre-kids because my kids are taking up all my time now in the evenings but I I did some volunteer (laughs) coaching and it was it was really rewarding I never felt more connected to my community as when I did the volunteer coaching, you just get to meet people that you would never be able to talk to that live, you know, a few blocks away. And, uh, that to me was, was priceless. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge piece of, of all of this, but it's just, it all comes back to the idea of community, right? I don't know if it matters how big your city is or how small your town is, but, uh, that, that connectedness to your community is, is, uh, you know, it's not easy to do, but I, I think it's one of the real, great avenues is I still think that you know I'm a big believer in the power of sport and or even just the power of uh you know the power of something extracurricular some sort of you know activity that's you know with other people and and a lot of times in most cities and towns that uh, revolves around sports it did for me anyway so um I don't think it has as much to do with high performance or anything at that level as it does just does uh you know being part of something that's bigger than you Mm-hmm. And it could just be a little thing to help out, you know, even if you're not the expert in that sport, I hear, you know, parents that are just intimidated because they don't understand the sport and never played it themselves. What would you say to those parents? You just get out and do it. I, again, I think that, you know, a big, a big portion of, uh, you know, a big portion of coaching is just being able to teach and, and, you know, I think even if people would come to some of the stuff that we do at this level, it's, they'd be surprised at how active it is. And, and uh, you know, I spend a lot more time, I spend a lot more time studying leadership, to be honest, and, and communication than I do um, technical, tactical basketball things. And because and, I think that that's, you know, vitally important to, 
you know, creating the right environment, but it's, it, it applies anywhere. You know, I think there's a lot of people that can plug into these different situations and they maybe have really good communication skills or really good leadership skills, but you know, you can learn, you can learn the sport technical stuff for teaching kids pretty fast. It's uh, you know, I think we tend to overcomplicate that stuff. It's uh, the other things that are the, maybe the, the things that should be more intimidating, but aren't. It's, uh, it's not the basketball or the volleyball, um, you know, or lacrosse, technical, tactical, that's the difficult stuff for young kids. It's, uh, you know, it's the leadership, it's the communication piece. I think that's really, you know, the, the hard part, but you know, there's lots of people with those qualities that, uh, could really thrive. I hear you on that as I played like hockey my whole life. And then when I went to coach, it was almost like I had to relearn the sport because I had this idea, <laughs> right? I had this idea of, you know, what I would teach and how I would talk. And you, if you don't read your audience well, if you are not crystal clear and talking about a drill and where everyone's going to line up, it all just falls apart really quickly. Yeah. And, and usually the, the best, you know, the high, those high organized uh, type A's are usually really good, especially the young kids. <laughs> they, they can keep things organized and on track so, so easily. So, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, everybody's different, but uh, I think that's the this is the stuff that makes things go around, uh, you know, for sure. And in small communities, particularly, the, the programs and these things will die without people doing them. So, well, um, really great to hear that path. And I guess so. You you went into teaching, led you into getting involved uh, as a coach more. And how did you get to be a college basketball coach? Well, it's, honestly, my progression has been really linear. So there's no, uh, I'm, I'm, I've always tried, tried to say I'm a bit more of a workhorse than a show horse, and for sure. So um, I started coaching mini basketball when I was uh, in high school myself. Um, I, I literally moved up a level <laughs> all the way to this level. Um, so it's, uh, there, there's, there hasn't been a skipped step anywhere. Um, I think it helps me to be honest at different levels, uh, getting to see, you know, how things progress in, in different communities and at different stages of development. But, uh, it's certainly informed my coaching at this level, um, you know, not skipping steps, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I went from mini to junior high to high school JV to high school varsity to an assistant coach at U uh, sports school to a head coach at U sports school. And then now, uh, I moved, uh, you know, I moved into this job, which I hope I'll be here for a long time. Right. Well, you know, it's a, it's a good top place to be. I mean, definitely a, can be a big impact on the community. So uh, I know that what's cool. I think what's cool about college sports is that it's still very community oriented, especially smaller towns. So do you find that? Yeah, we're, we're lucky here. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very lucky here because, you know, with 3,500 students, uh, in Wolfville, it's the community and uh, the community and the university are intertwined here. And, and, you know, I think our, our students get a real, uh, you know, a real taste of what it's like to be part of something, uh, you know, special when they're here and they get to be integrated in the community. It helps their programming, to be honest, not just their basketball program, but even academic, just how, uh, how much hands-on experience they can get as an undergrad here is, is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, we, we really, we really are lucky down here. So you talked about your studying leadership. Um, and I think that's really insightful for anyone that's doing, you know, any kind of area of sport is, is that we are looking for these 
qualities that you might not even realize and that leadership piece being so central. Uh, so what, what have you learned over the years studying leadership? So that I don't know anything. <laughs> the first thing that you figure out is, yeah, is uh, how much, how much more you need to learn. Um, but, you know, I think the, the biggest thing I've, you know, I've seen so many different styles of leadership and, and, uh, the biggest thing I've learned about leadership uh, through practical experience and even things that I've you know, read or listened to and, uh, is, uh, is authenticity and, and being yourself, I think, is something that's really, really important. But, uh, you know, where I found my biggest impact as a, as a leader and something that I subscribe to is really kind of a model of servant leadership, helping, you know, if I, I lead best by serving other people and, and uh, it's not for everybody, for sure, but for me, that's that's what works best. And um, yeah, I think that's the you know there's there's different ways. I think that it, you know everybody's different too. Is that you can't uh, you can't lead each person the exact same way. Um, mm. you know, that they're all you know they're all very very different, and they need different voices. And some need uh, you know some need hard touches, some need soft touches. You know, it's 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 really interesting as you kind of go through it and watch. Uh, you know, and get to know, get to know these people. And, but I think that's where the authenticity piece comes back to is, you know, being authentic ultimately means I think that you care, about, you care about what you're doing or, you know, you have different motivations, but you, you care about them. And, and for me, uh, that, that's been really, really important to, uh, to my leadership anyway, is just, you know, for them to know how much I care about them and, and uh, want to see them successful, maybe more than, uh, more than anything else. Yeah, that's, I mean, really an interesting perspective on it. And I hear um, some of the best leaders are like the ones that you're not chasing that glory title. You know, that may come as a result when you focus on the, the basic thing of, well, talking to the person in front of you at their, where they need to, meeting them, where they need to be met and serving, serving the people, the community. So that's such a great, great words for, for anyone listening to hear, to understand that like you, you might not have the captain title on your team, um, but you can do everything possible, I think, to be a good leader on your team. Yeah, and and, and really, uh, even stuff that we do here is, you know, we're we're at a pretty high level, but you know, for university sport, and and we don't we've done away with captains and you know titles and things like that. Is see, everybody has a chance to be a leader. Everybody has a chance to be, uh, you know, to be an all star at their role and. And I think that's the thing is finding ways for people to see that there's leadership in every situation. There's, you know, being able to lead yourself is something that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, And, you know, I think a big quality of being a, you know, being a leader, especially when you're part of a team is, is, are you a good follower? You know, can you follow at the right time? Um, You know, some of the hardest people that I've, I've ever worked with in teams, you know, team environments or even my, you know, my, my career environment, whether it's teaching or coaching or whatever, where people that just struggled, uh, struggled to let, you know, allow somebody else to take the lead and, and then be a great follower, be a great teammate. And, and uh, I think those are qualities of leadership too, where it's not always, I think people think that leadership is, it means that it's the person with the megaphone all the time and shouting directions. That's not what it is um, at all in my experience. So um, you gotta, you'll have those times for sure. And you gotta, you gotta, make sure that they count when you, when you have them and you got to do a good job. But I think the, the, the quiet times, especially when you're part of a team is when you're in the bulk of the time is spent being a follower, really like finding out ways that you could be a great teammate and, and, 
picking your moments to to lead. So I think that's uh, kind of an underrated characteristic of some of the best teammates that I've ever worked with is, is, is that quality of them just being a great teammate and being able to follow at times um, and then lead when they need to. I think that's really insightful. So does that inform how you recruit and bring people into your team? And like, how does, what, what do you look for in, a, in an athlete? And what, and what do you think um, people should be focusing on if they're trying to make the, the elite level or the collegiate level? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is you love your sport. So that's the first thing that we, you know, we look for. And it's, it's tough because it's the same as everybody says, right? It's, you know, the first thing you, you ask people is, you know, what's your, you know, what do you think is your best quality? And everybody says, well, I work hard. Well, we're, working hard is the price of admission. Working hard is like the least special thing anymore. <laughs> that's, that's, that doesn't make you special. That doesn't separate you at all. Um, so, you know, what's the next, you know, what's the next thing? And I think, you know, without hard work, you're never going to be successful. And bigger than that for us is, you know, without loving the game, um, you're not going to be able to put in the work that you are going to need to put in. Um, so again, there's, there are things that everybody says, I love, I love the game and I, I'm a hard worker, but, uh, those two things don't always, uh, don't always equate out to, you know, success, I guess, or even just reality. And when, when it comes to, you know, getting to the next level and in terms of kids that we recruit, obviously talent's a huge piece, but, uh, talent talent without some of these other intangibles that leadership quality finding kids that maybe were parts of championship teams you know high functioning high performing teams mm-hmm. um those typically seem to have uh you know higher uh, return on investment for sure um you know kids that have been with strong-minded coaches coaches that have you know have pushed them and and uh coaches that you know have tried to challenge them in some authentic areas not just you know, making sure that their highlight tapes are on Instagram or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think that, that stuff has been important, important to me for sure. And and getting to hear from, we spent a lot of time calling, you know, anybody that would really know the, know the kids that we're recruiting. We, we, uh, we try and do our homework and, and, uh, my dad always said, it's, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by how they treat the janitor in their school. And, Mm. uh, I think that that's, that's something we, yeah, we ask the questions. We, we kind of get around to, to see what this person's really like. Um, so yeah, it's important to us, but yeah, I think love of the game for sure is, is biggest quality, actual real love of the game, not, uh, not love of the notoriety, not love of this delights, not anything like that, but actual love of the game, you know, for us with basketball, do they love being in the gym on their own at nine thirty on a Friday night shooting? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, uh, and those are, those are becoming rarer and rarer. <laughs> there's a lot of distractions. Um, and like, so there's good distractions and, and maybe negative distractions. And there's one thing that I definitely want to talk to you about before you jump off. And I know your time's precious. So uh, let's dig into the sooner than later. But we, um, when it comes to leadership and this, uh, and what you're looking for, it's, um, it's probably a nice segue to talk about this awareness, like this idea of self-awareness where Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you said like, okay, no, do you really, are you really liking this sport? Are you really passionate about this sport? And being very self-aware, you, maybe you're looking for people that are indicating that is, was that fair? Is that actually, it's more of a question or or do you look for self-awareness in, in people or potential candidates for your team? Yeah, for sure. I think I look for self-awareness in friends. You, you know what I mean? I think that we all kind of, <laughs> I think, 
I think you're very unhappy generally as a person if you have a lot of people around you that aren't self-aware um, because they're typically very annoying and they don't meet expectations and they're very unreliable. And, and so, you know, it definitely doesn't work in an environment, you know, an athletic environment like we have, but I think most people are not looking for that even in their lives, you know? It's, uh, so I think that's, that's a great quality for sure that you highlight. It's, it's you know, self-awareness. That's awesome. Well, I did highlight it because I know it's something you're already working your team on because Lindsay, our our other sports dietitian here, for anyone that doesn't know Lindsay, um, she was telling me about this whoop tracking system that you're using where uh, you have like a strap, right? Maybe you can describe it. I I was getting it described to me, but uh, you want to tell me about that and what you might be using it for for the team? Yeah, so we we wanted to uh, we wanted to we come up every every off season and we kind of call it like it's like the military kind of an after action review, right? And so we sit down and we kind of talk as coaching staff about what do we want to what do we want to impact, what do we need to impact um, with our athletes coming into the next year. And one of the things that kept coming up with our strength and conditioning coaches and and our our coaching staff was um, we need to impact their recovery. We need to impact somehow get through to them about their nutrition, their recovery, their sleep. Um, so, you know, we have an amazing strength and conditioning coach and staff here, um, uh, Elliot Richardson. He's just, I, I think he's, I think he's the best in the country. He's, he's fantastic. And, and one of the things that he says all the time is like sleep is the best performance enhancing drug on earth. Um, yep. But uh, you know, in, in our environment here at a university, now it's trying to balance between, you know, we have pile of academic all Canadians too and we have a lot of training you know tough training schedule and so they're they're trying to balance things but they're also 18 19 20 years old and, and you know figuring out balancing their lives for the first time on their own um, for a lot of them so that's it it was difficult but it's yeah it's the the whoop system is basically it's a wearable and they wear it 24 7 the only time that we can't wear it is actually during games because of rules but the girls wear it 24 7 other than other than games um and, you know, long story short, it, it, it tracks the, the big statistic that it tracks is your heart rate and your heart rate variability. So um, it helps to predict when they're getting sick, when they're overtrained, um, you know, maybe when they can ha- give a little bit more. Um, so it helps me really, uh, it helps me plan our practices, helps me plan our training, but it also helps them because they get all the updates on their phone. So when they wake up in the morning, it gives them their sleep performance score and, they finish a workout and it gives them their, you know, their strain through that workout. And, um, you know, it gets them a bit competitive because they can see each other. So they're, they're all competitive, which is normal in this type of environment. So they're trying to get a better strain score than their <laughs> the other person that was doing the workout next to them. But uh, they even got a bit like, I want to get a better sleep score. But it mm-hmm. keeps them accountable too, right? Because it's, I, I think that a coach-led team is always kind of going to fall down. You know, the, the teams that are really successful are those player-led teams. So where they're able to see each other's scores, I think there's the accountability piece of those things too. So it's the competitive piece, but also the accountability of, you know, what, you know, you only got four hours of sleep last night. Like that's, we, we play in two days. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think though, and, and those conversations happen, <laughs> you know, they, they happen for sure. So it's, uh, yeah, it was really positive for us. The, the, the hardware software system, it, it's, it's amazing. It's top end for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we battled back and forth though cost. I know everybody's always struggling with, uh, with budget and cost, but we just kind of came back to say, 
you know, like I look through the lens of any decision that we make, it's like, if this is important to us and we say it's important, then we got to figure it out. We got to figure out how we're going to do this. So um, that was our way this year. And it worked great. It worked great. It was an awesome system for sure. Yeah. Well, I can see this, the self-awareness piece so clearly in there, how you, you understand by looking at that statistic or that number of hours of sleep that your body may may show up less performing or just have an understanding of why you feel the way you feel based on, you know, the previous 24 hours or 72 hours. Yeah. And it's great for, you know, even here, it's, 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 it'd be shocking. I know there's a thesis somewhere here with all the data for, you know, for a year of, but it's, you know, for us in, in youth sports and the reality of the travel and, you know, a late yeah. bus ride and, and, uh, you know, different things, you know, bad nutrition at different points in time. It's, you know, it, it doesn't track that, but your body tracks that your body understands that so it's uh you know we can we can even predict a bit when they're going to get sick um you can see the cold you know the cold coming on with the heart rate variability scores and wow, so it's yeah. uh yeah it's it's really something we, we were a little bit nervous to be honest that it would be a bit perceived as like you know big brother looking out over everything and, and if yeah. they didn't take it that way at all they they really tried to just uh see it for what it was and, and we tried to be you know really authentic about it too it's uh you know it helped us it, it was it was not us looking to catch somebody doing something that's we, we don't try to catch you doing things wrong we just try to help you do things that, you know make the next best decision that you can I guess so um yeah. it definitely helped their self-awareness for sure yeah and I think that you have a an intention going in it's one thing to like have a tool and get a wearable and there's so many options these days, but that you're, you're very clear. You wanted to go in and get a better recovery uh, set up or, or an idea of, you know, that you get better at recovery and do you feel like you achieved results? Yeah, I think for sure. I think, you know, what it did, what it, what it also does is, you know, and, and again, I think this stuff gets, you know, it can get out of whack a bit, you know, and the, you know, six year old is wearing a whoop tracker, but it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I think that it's uh, the thing that it did for me that I think is more important um, is it, it it gave us a chance to have the conversation, and that's all I ever say with this stuff is is it just gives me the chance to to have the conversation to open the door that maybe needs to be opened to be talked about. Um, the sleep patterns are bad. It's not you know you got to get to sleep you know you got to get to sleep on time. This is ridiculous. It's more you know you know, what are you struggling with? Like how, you know, why aren't you sleeping so well? And usually it keeps coming back to, you know, in our day and age, and it's the first generation in university that's had social media their whole lives. Like this mm. is the first, this is the first wave, um, which is more important than I think anybody's <laughs> even talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the first generation that's grown up um, since they were born with uh, social media as part of their lives, whether that was their parents on it or, or them uh, on it. And uh, I think the, the screen, screen time screens in their rooms, that's something that they've tried. Uh, we've really pushed back on that. And, and I think a lot of them has tried to sort out, you know, getting their, getting their cell phones, their chargers out in the kitchen instead of in their bedroom and things like that. But uh, yeah, the screen time has been one that I, I'm not exactly sure if it's impacted it specifically, but it is, you know, it's, it's opened the door for us to have those conversations with them, which I think can be important too. It's at our level anyway, it's, we're still trying to help teach you, you know, teach them up, coach them up. So, yeah. and they're trying to learn how to do things. So 
Well, and kind of to take this uh, conversation full circle, because we're going to have to kick off soon. I'm sure you have to get going. Uh, but um, I, I, we started on a, this note of small town connectedness coming out, you know, vol like volunteering for a community. Uh, and I say connectedness because I think it really connects people when they get together in person. And you were talking about, even before we jumped on the conversation, about your family always coming around the dinner table. And that was just a habit you guys always had growing up that everyone got together on the dinner table and maybe this social media piece is an illusion of connectedness and it is disruptive i don't know if you uh see that i know that having young kids myself at home and getting on social media um most of the time i try just to do it for work but every now and then uh it's like oh, there's you know no one in the house awake right now and you jump on social media it's very i find it very unfulfilling in terms of connectedness yeah and it's it's funny like you you know it's i've been reading so much about this stuff you know it's for really because i you know i look at it as like i have 15 kids that i'm trying to help out and that are 18 24 25 and then i also have six and a four-year-old that that i'm trying to be intentional too right it's i think we kind of try and we spend more time planning our vacations than we do planning our lives sometimes. And, um, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional about this stuff. And some of the cool strategies I've heard is, and, and I've tried them and some of them really work, you know, deleting social media apps off of your phone. Um, yeah. So you still have your account if you want to use it, but you've got to go to a computer to use it. You can't just, uh, you know, the, the mindless scrolling through it when you're just in those quiet times, you might have conversations. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's something that I think is impactful for sure. It's, we see it when we go to maybe an airport or, you know, we're waiting for our flight to board and just everybody's heads are down on their cell phones now instead of having that opportunity to interact and, and just hang out. And, and uh, those are when the, the fun conversations happen. We do team building weekend stuff. And, you know, we kind of jettison the cell phones, and which uh, I don't like to do. I, I'm, I'm also not like, 75 years old and think that every problem in the world is associated with technology or anything. I, I don't feel that way about it, but I do feel like there are, you know, I think that we've struggled, uh, young people particularly, but I've seen a lot of people my age sitting at the playground with their three-year-old kid swinging on the, uh, on the swing and they're scrolling through Instagram too. So um, I think there's just, there's, there's a time and a place for this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, for me, getting to grow up around, you know, a small town where obviously I didn't have this when I was growing up. And, uh, you know, we came together every night for dinner. It's still something that my family does. The four of us sit down for dinner together every night as, you know, not even as much as possible, any possible chance if, if we're not at work, um, you know, or in a game or something, the four of us are, are sitting down around the dinner table so I, I I think that's really really important for your family but even with your teams it's, you know have this the chance to put the cell phones away and just have fun with each other <laughs> absolutely that's really good uh, advice I think that's a good tip take your social media off your phone I could probably use that tip myself um, really cool that your wife is also a dietitian we'll just do a shout out for her I think uh, <laughs> around the dinner table, um, I bet you have some good meals around that dinner table. Oh, they're really good. It's uh, yeah, it's really good. Sometimes she, she tests. I, I still can't, uh, I can't say that I would be as healthy as I, as I am. I, I shouldn't say, I can tell you 100% that I would not be as healthy as I am without my wife. So, uh, but she's, she's taught me a lot and, uh, 
yeah, as much as social media and these things is probably a big issue uh, these days, I know nutrition and, and uh, you know, what, what people are eating and how they're eating is, is equally as big of an issue, to be honest. So it's, uh, it's pretty neat having her and, you know, helping seeing her with our kids and, and how she kind of treats, treats their relationship with food is pretty, uh, pretty fun. It's pretty neat. Well, I loved having you on the podcast and I think there's definitely a ton of golden nuggets that people can pull from this and share with the family. So thank you so much, Len. Uh, a lot, a lot here and it's really a pleasure to get to talk with you. No, it's great fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the super sports mom podcast this time. My wish is that you feel more empowered than ever to live your dream sports life. If you get inspired from this message, amazing. Share it with a friend and pass that inspiration along. I can't wait to share the next adventure with you. See you next time. Hey, does getting the right food in front of you at the right time seem a little daunting sometimes? Well, a lot of times. You're not alone, and that is why here at Eat This for Performance, we are making people's lives easier by taking out all of the guesswork from performance eating for all the situations you may be in, eating out, eating in at the grocery store, or just looking at that food down on your plate wondering if that is the right thing to be eating. So we have something that we'd like to give you. That is our performance eating foods list. If you hop on over to et4p.com, you can grab our food list and start going right away at eating the performance foods that you want to eat. Once you have the food list, you'll be well on your way to digging into our four-part framework and really starting to become a confident athlete or a confident parent in your food selections. So have a look. And definitely reach out to us if you have any questions whatsoever. We're here cheering you on as you eat for that top performance in sport and in life.